Welcome to the Northern Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farron, owner of the company Horns of Odin, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Matej Nordvik. Hello, everybody. We are talking about Midgardsplot and our experiences there. Um, so we don't have any guests. Uh, we will just be rambling, uh, the two of us. So welcome to the show. Yeah, she's going to be me and you hanging out and talking about all the cool things we've been up to this last week. Yes. Which it was a it was a fun week. Um, fun yeah, week. I mean we've got we've got tons of content from from the last week. So uh, I think people hopefully aren't going to get too sick of us talking about Midgardsplot. But equally, it's it's an opportunity where so many guests we have on here are all in one place where we can really go to work and, and make content for everybody. Yep, exactly. So yeah, hopefully everyone's not going to be too sick of it. But if you are, then buy a ticket and get there next year, I guess. <laughs> yeah, That's... and don't listen to the podcast, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, <laughs> Mateus. This is our first episode in like six weeks. You can't start with don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> I That's guess the opposite. That is That's a little awkward. Op- <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, that, that, that's a good place to start. I guess it's no, it's no surprise to anybody who listens to the podcast. We've had a, a few weeks off, um, and not to get too deep, too heavy. Obviously, it was due to a personal tragedy on on my side. Something I'm not going to go into into details of. But I, I mentioned to you kind of a, a week or so after after everything happened that I wanted to try and use our platform to maybe maybe speak to. To, to, to somebody listening uh, maybe us two idiots having a conversation might reach out to somebody and maybe make them think twice about certain decisions I know speaking to you we've both been affected by suicide and it's it's a topic that maybe not everybody everybody talks about um, particularly I guess from being the position of being the person left kind of after um which is obviously one that maybe not everybody thinks about. Um, but no, I guess I guess the one thing that I wanted to say was that if anybody ever gets in the position where they consider that as the only option they have left, please just speak to somebody. And it could be anybody. It could be somebody you know, somebody you don't know. There's phone numbers you can ring. I mean, hell, you can fucking drop me and Matthias an email or a message and we'll respond. I think it's at least take that option to speak because whilst you're, I figure whilst you're in that mindset, in that zone, you think that nobody cares. There's, there's nobody would be bothered if you're not here. And that could never be more wrong. You know, seeing kind of the aftermath now of, of this situation of somebody who didn't think that people would care and, and they would be better without that. It's seeing the upset and the destruction that it leaves across the board for everyone. You know, people will be hurt. People will feel sad and it will completely drastically change other people's lives for forever and there's no going back from that so yeah if there's one message from it it is just just take that time to talk and think about it speak to speak to people speak to people around you because i guess it's you can't take it back once it's yeah. once it's done it's done yeah yeah i mean uh uh the situation i experienced was uh with a uh friend um uh, uh, who took their life um, 
And what I saw was a, uh, a, a whole community of people, uh, all of their friends in, in this, uh, you know, pretty big, uh, broad group of people in, uh, in, in Denver and the, the general area around, right? They were all affected by it. They were all so sad, uh, to have lost this person. And they were all, uh, thinking, what could we have done differently? Mm-hmm. And and that's that's also one of the important things, right? Because if you're in that space where where you're thinking, I I don't matter to anybody, and you in, instead of making that choice uh, of committing suicide, reach out to somebody in your group, who, whomever it is, the one that that seems most accessible to you, uh, for mm-hmm. whatever reason, just do it, because they will tell you exactly that mm-hmm. that that they will be affected by this and they will they will lose you as a person mm-hmm. i think that's almost the the tragic irony behind it is that if they could see how much it affects people after it would probably affect the decision to do what they what they what they do because they would mm-hmm. see how much it people that's that's been the surprising thing for me is obviously i was close to this person so i'm going to have natural guilt and kind of like what could I have different should I have done things different but even fringe people like just my friends on the outside having that guilt and being like you know I wish I'd done something I wish I'd reached and and the guilt just like it's that was the kind of one thing that shocked me the most was how much it spread kind of as like a almost like a virus to everybody that had any contact of having this guilt and it's it's really sad to see and it all stems from kind of this this mm-hmm. quick this quick thing that happens and it's but i think it's also you know what it's a wake up call to to all of us who are on the fringe of of a a social uh, sphere that uh, with this particular person who who would make that choice in in the center right like um it also comes down to all of us to to take a little bit of responsibility to actually tell the people that we care about even if it's peripheral but still mm-hmm. care about that we actually do care about them, and and they are people that we um, like to see in our lives in, in different situations. However, uh, um, however that may be, and uh, you know, even if it's not that often, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I the 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 person that I knew who who took their life um, used to work at a at a certain uh, uh, bar uh, brewery that uh, I would go to a lot. And, you know, still to this day, I, I walk in there and, and kind of expect to, to, to meet them, you know, and, mm-hmm. and cause, cause they're just part of the establishment there. And uh, uh, so it's like, it, even though I wasn't that close to this person, um, I, I knew them uh, well enough. And uh, you know, just sort of expected that that person would 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 still be be there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's certainly a thing. And like I say we're not going to dwell on dwell on it too long, but I think it is an important message to to just also just be kind to people because you have no idea what's what's going on in people's lives and where they're they're at. You know, the, the person that I lost, they nobody on the outside would ever have expected this to be the outcome. Um, and that, that just shows how well people that suffer from depression sometimes uh, like hide these things, that they can just bury it and, and function completely normally to everybody else. 
but inside it it's there um so yeah like you i guess you don't know so just be kind to people tell people that you that you love them and should we should we talk about midgar spot yeah uh, just one little detail uh if you're listening to this and wondering uh well what what kind of hotlines and and such can i call for help uh on the subject of suicide um we will put uh hotlines and and contact information to uh suicide prevention uh uh, for the uk and the us uh in in the show notes here yeah that's a that's a good point well yeah we'll definitely do that and i think yeah i can't stress enough just before you take that 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 decision just speak to somebody even if sometimes it's easiest to speak to a stranger uh just try it and then you know at least you've you've had that going and you've kind of taken that route because people do care um and nobody ever wants to kind of be in this position i guess um yeah so mateus we we finally met in person <laughs> after several years yes <laughs> after a few years there was the the final uh yeah, the, the the moment where we met the the culmination. We, we should have got it on film. We yes. we slipped up. We should have had someone secretly filming the, <laughs> the moment. The awkward but, moment. <laughs> the awkward moment where I looked at you and goes, "Shit, you're taller than I expected." <laughs> that's like literally. That's what everybody has been saying uh, during Midgard's flood, <laughs> you know, and you know everybody meeting me in person for the first time. Um, I think Bob is sitting in uh, on this uh, this call. Um, uh, he was uh, here before. I think he said it too. Like you're taller in person. Like <laughs> so, so, like the refrain for uh, <laughs> for uh, for my presence at Midgard's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh... I don't know. I, I knew you were taller than me, but I didn't know you was that, was tall, that tall. I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's good for you. When I say, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why. I never really, really thought of myself as particularly tall, but uh, I, I, I guess I am taller than people expect. <laughs> <laughs> you must just have short man energy when we do the podcast. <laughs> Short man energy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it doesn't. <laughs> but you did also tell me that you do a lot of the podcast without pants on, which I don't know. Maybe some, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe some people listening to this might, might be a kind of thing that they're into. <laughs> it might make their day. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I might have been exaggerating. <laughs> oh, no, no, taking it back now. No, I, I oh, guess no. not. Well, you know, me without pants doing these, uh, um, and you with a coconut bikini is definitely going to attract a lot of people. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, oh, Justin just said that I look like Gimli standing next to you, which fuck, that's not a good thing. Please, <laughs> that's don't say that. What, then what about <laughs> then what about Ina? That, that picture there uh, oh, you, me and Ina. <laughs> what does he look I, like? I'm not even particularly sure. I'm five ten. I, I pretend. I like to say I'm five ten. So <laughs> I'm not sure. What are you Mateus? Like six two, six three? Uh six one something. But, oh, I, yeah. 
but you do like to wear a little Cuban heel in the shoe. <laughs> I, I have a, 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 a pair of boots that has a little bit of heel, but <laughs> I, I know she wore them the first time we met, though. I'm not, I'm not trying to say you were. Uh... <laughs> Hey, it was a heavy. Well, we were supposed to be at a heavy metal bar. Of course, you wear your shit kickers to a heavy metal bar, like. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we, of course, the the heavy metal bar turned turned out to be closed. So we had to go to the hipster bar next to and instead. Um, so, but, I, but that worked out too. It worked out. No, it was good. It was a lot of fun, uh, especially when you ran home, which is <laughs> the, the highlight of my entire week. <laughs> somebody like filmed any... that somebody filmed that <laughs> there is a yes there, there may be a video of you running up the hill and then alex from fire in the mountains running after you up the hill around <laughs> there that we need to get hold of well he's like how the hell can you run that fast in shit kickers no it was a lot of fun um okay do you want to give a quick rundown of what midgard's plot is because it, again Every episode is somebody's first episode. So some of you might not even know what Midgard's Blood is. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, Midgard's Blood is a, is a heavy metal festival primarily. That, 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 that's most of the music that's, um, that's uh, featured there on the stages. Um, but it's also uh, combined with a Viking market. So Viking reenactors having a tents and... Um, selling all kinds of like viking period goods um there is also so so the the location where it takes pl- place is uh by the mounds at bora in in um in southern norway or just a little south of oslo near uh the town of Horten. and um and there's a a little museum center there and um reconstructed viking hall and some cool stuff mm-hmm. and so of course they're using the, the the reconstructed viking hall and that little tower and all that stuff as as like um um the backdrop too for for the entire event and aside from that since there's uh, they're working with the museum the the museum also invites um uh, speakers to come uh, talk on academic subjects that have to do with the Viking Age and Nordic mythology and all that stuff um, uh, at these uh, Mimia talks. And that was also, you know, the context in which we were there. We we mm-hmm. had these panel talks after all the speakers had been giving talks. So at uh, 4 p.m. we would sit down and then we would uh, let the monkeys loose. And I think that went really well. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it was a lot of fun. So you see, that's that, that's kind of why we were originally there. But we also had a bunch of because like it, it, it's that place where there's so many people who are in this this kind of community, especially ones that we've had on the podcast. It's the opportunity where we can meet them in person, talk to them in person, do interviews with them in person. So you know, we've got. In, we, we recently just released our higher lung interview, which we need to speak about because that's maybe my highlight of the whole week. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we released our high lung interview, which is our second most um, viewed video on YouTube ever after the Alexander Drimmen one. And it's been out for two days, which is yeah. insane. The amount of views that this, 
this video. The, uh, the, 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 the interview I did with Kai back in 2019 and put on my, my, uh, my own channel that, that I had back then on YouTube. Um, it's still there. And, and I think it's, it, you know, I, I haven't even checked, but I think it's in the tens of thousands of, 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 mm -hmm. of views. Like, the, you know, people really want to see uh, the guys from Heilung speak. And obviously, of course, also uh, Aina Selvig from Wadruna uh, is, is, a, is a popular uh, guest. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we did. We had an interview with Aina, which was... Again, he's he's such a fun guy to talk to. He he's really kind of open and and he has a clear interest in the history as well. It's not just a surface level. He really is, you know, an in depth interest into what he's creating and the history around it. So there are always fun conversations. Obviously, we got to sit down with Lindy Fay um, as well again from Vodruna, um, Katrina Steinbeck from Kalandra and Vodruna. Um, we were busy. We were, we got our interviews in. We definitely did. We definitely did. We had a very packed schedule. Um, mm -hmm. and I, aside from, um, you know, doing the panels and running around doing interviews with you, I also had, uh, two talks I was involved with, um, at the Mimia talks. I, uh, I, I gave a talk. Uh, with Jonas Lorenzen on creating the Nabala concept and, and the lyrics uh, uh, that uh, that that he is singing, um, and then I also gave my own talk on whether or not Vikings tattooed. Mm -hmm. That was a yeah, that was a lot of fun, and we we got to have a, a sit down episode with Jonas, Josh, both of them have been on this podcast numerous times. The four of us got to sit. And just kind of shoot the shit with each other, which was a lot of fun. And again, we're going to be re releasing that as its own mm -hmm. episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, let's talk about the Highland interview. Yes. Because this this has to be one of my favorite moments, not only of Miguel's, but maybe of of my entire life. Just because it was just such a a surreal kind of coming of events, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, you know, it's Highland. They have their own camp at Midgard Sport. So, so this is like an exclusive Heilung camp. And uh, that's because they, aside from being a lot of band members uh, that need to uh, keep track of each other and, and, and meet for various kind of meetings and all that stuff during the time where they're at the festival, they also, uh, a lot of them bring family. Because, um, as I mentioned, there's this whole Viking market aspect to to Midgardsblod as well, and those uh, who um, have been Viking reenactors or grown up with Viking reenactors, like myself, um, uh, we know that you know Viking markets are, are very, very much like a, a sort of like a camping event, uh, family camping event, where um, it's not just like the the market is. Is open in the daytime for guests and tourists and so on, but but uh, then then there's all the stuff that goes on uh, behind the scenes, so to speak, and, and after hours, right? A lot of socializing, a lot of uh, friendships being made, a lot of old connections uh, uh, happening, and so on, and 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 so that's also kind of uh, the feel of the the, the Highland camp where they uh, you know they have family members and. Um, 
and uh, and friends with them. And uh, <laughs> we we were so <laughs> privileged that we got to sit in in Maria's mm-hmm. uh, mom's tent and do. Mm-hmm. And she did it yeah. all cozy for us and put out some yeah. little jar of almonds that we could snack on. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's it. Um, so, yeah, so when you say a camp, it was, it's literally is like an old, what I would imagine to be like an old kind of medieval Viking camp. Mm-hmm. There's like, you know, the tents around the edge, there's the fire pit in the middle. Everybody's walking around in traditional clothes as. Maria's mum, Chris's mum, kind of popping around as the the Hari warriors, the different singers are very kind of serious. So Maria invited us down for coffee. I expected there to be a kettle and some snot cups, I guess. And we <laughs> and we get there, um, and there's there's coffee in a big iron pot that had been brewing for like twenty minutes or whatever. There's the traditional wooden mugs and some plates. It happened to be one of their birthdays, so we got birthday cake whilst we were there. Yeah, it was, actually, was, uh, it, was, it was not just any kind of birthday cake. It was a Danish apple layer cake, um, which is, um, which, you know, as, as a Dane, uh, is, uh, is one of the oh, it was fucking, most awesome it was good. things <laughs> that I anybody can be treated to. Anybody who saw me walking around Midgasbot can tell I'm a boy that likes cake. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> so I I was more than happy and then you know we went away and we came back maybe a couple of hours later to do the interview and Maria's mum had kindly set her tent up like you said for us with some seats some nice some nice cushions and throws some some kind of candles it was a very surreal moment to to find me you Kai Chris and Maria sat there doing this very intimate interview not yeah. something I ever really expected, I don't think. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I mean, that's exactly what I would expect from Highland, but that's also, you know, I, I had the, uh, the the privilege and pleasure of doing that uh, uh, in 2019 with, with Kai, where we were sitting in a Viking tent too and, and talking. I just checked up on how many views it's got uh, on YouTube, and it's about 49,000. So, so that's a, that's a, that's a considerable um, amount. That's a big. That is. That's but, a um, um, <laughs> but back then, I was I was sitting and trying to, you know, concentrate and and pretend that I was not getting smoke in my eyes all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that is that is a thing. But the it, it it was surprising. I think I said it in the interview. If you haven't watched it, like I say, it's on YouTube. Um, they they clearly just aren't a band that, that jump on the stage and for that hour and a half they are high lung. They live and breathe high lung. That is who they are. They mm-hmm. it, it is the very essence of them are and then when they perform they are letting you into kind of them and their space and their ritual. It's not a it's not just a performance as such. No, absolutely not. It's it is a ritual. And mm-hmm. um and it, it has it has purpose and meaning uh to it uh that goes far beyond just you know putting on a good show for some music mm-hmm. i i think my second favorite moment was um i left you you chris and kai was left kind of sat chatting and me and maria walked around to watch vodruna because they just started playing and i had this kind of moment where i was stood with maria watching vodruna and i was like this is really odd. I feel like not many people are going to get this get this opportunity to be stood with kind of like one of the main 
<laughs> the, the main people in Heilung watching Vodruna. I was like, hmm, this is this is fun. <laughs> this is a this is a moment I probably should kind of remember. Are you a little starstruck? <laughs> it wasn't necessarily starstruck. I was just kind of appreciative of this odd kind of scenario that kind of just created itself. They'd, I think they're too nice to be starstruck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> they're too too nice and sweet and, and, and giving of everything. One thing we didn't mention, we also had an interview with Tim Nankaro, who may be one of my favorite human beings in the, on the entire planet now. <laughs> He's a really awesome guy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, do, do you want to explain who Tim is? Because I, I have invited him to join us for a full episode. Yes, we will We will have him on for a full episode. But uh, to ju- just give you a couple of details, uh, Tim Nankaro is a PhD student at the uh, uh, University of Newcastle in Australia. And he works on uh, rituals and um, and uh, Old Norse mythology and the, the, the intersection there. And, um, uh, and aside from that, he also performs such rituals. You know, <laughs> obviously, what he does is that he he does his own interpretation of 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 a uh, of of stuff that we can find in the sources and admin god's plot um he uh he did a odinic self-hanging um mm-hmm. now uh this is uh this is in the form of uh you know uh a body hook uh suspension so you get um hooks um uh, uh, placed in your chest uh, yes, meat hooks that <laughs> <laughs> go through your skin I just, and, and your 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 muscle tissue, and and then he he was uh, uh, you know pulled upwards and elevated uh, in those hooks, and that was that was quite uh, <laughs> a uh, a ritual. <laughs> As Bob oh, said, it was it was very uplifting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, good. That's a good joke. I wish I'd have thought of that. Uh, yeah, it was. It's an. Exp- it was an experience. The, I when we we managed to just catch catch the end of it because it was completely rammed. It was so busy in the guild hall where he uh, did this ritual, um, and there was a girl who fainted walking out, which was. <laughs> you know, but it, but it, you know, it is can be a little bit overwhelming. I guess you know, seeing somebody, first of all, have their hooks put through the chest. I think most people have seen this kind of thing maybe on TV, on on Britain's Got Talent or America's Got Talent or Australia's Got I, Talent, I, whatever. I don't think they would put that on America's Got Talent, though. I'm, sh- I'm, sure, I've, I'm sure I've seen people have the, the, the surgical hooks and do like, maybe maybe, I've, maybe I'm wrong. Um, but, it, but obviously it was very much kind of this Odinic type image of him lift because I, I think as well we, we spoke about in our interview with him that in the in the story Odin hangs himself and sacrifices himself to himself but they don't really make it clear like where he's hung from and I guess the natural well, thing is you assume the neck but right right yeah so in, in this story he he hangs from 
presumably Yggdrasil, so the world mm-hmm. tree. So, so the implications of of this hanging is, is uh, are cosmic, right? Like this isn't you should this isn't just some dude on a tree. You should perceive this as as something much grander than that. And um and and in the end of the stanza describing this uh, this ritual um or the stanza uh, uh, he reaches downwards and picks up the runes and mm-hmm. and yeah as we were talking about in in the interview um scholars over the years have been trying to work out the logics of like how can he do that if he's hanging from his neck how can he reach down and and pick up something um and then some scholars have been like, well, he's got to be hanging from his feet, blah, 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 blah. And of course, that's not the point. Uh, you know, <laughs> talking about, uh, you know, this kind of myth of about a ritual um, a, a, in, in, in sort of a, uh, a pragmatic physical sense, it doesn't make much, is not meaningful at all. Um, the point is, of course, that... Um, uh, uh, during this ritual, Odin receives this deep cosmic knowledge that uh, presumably the runes represent, and so so that's that's of course what's happening here, and that's how the runes and are also you know uh, retrieved by Odin and then given to humans, so humans can use them for communication with each other and. Um, uh, of course, with everybody else, um, non non human entities, so to speak. Um, but um, but aside from that, um, uh, one of the things that I that that, that I think is uh, is is really important to to mention about the ritual that uh, uh, Tim did uh, is that he, when he came down again after hanging, he uh, he he began giving runes to people. So he was sort of mirroring that situation of retrieving this deep uh, cosmological knowledge that you can only get from the realm of the dead. And that's the whole point of doing rituals of these this kind. Rituals that put you, you know, um, on a physical, uh, on your physical limits, so to speak, right? They, they push you to the, to the limit of what your body can handle. And, um, you know, uh, then you um, presumably uh, uh, learn something uh, very fundamentally valuable to yourself and also the community that is willing to receive the knowledge that you have gained from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And he, I saw him just before. Um, and we, you know, we've been chatting kind of all day. We'd done our interview with him and he was very, He's a he's a chatty he's a chatty Cathy. He loves yeah. a little he loves a conversation. And you know, a couple of hours before I bumped into him and he was like a completely different person. He was almost like in this trance state. Um he still kind of recognized me just and we had like a little conversation, but it was like a different human. He was clearly taking himself into this this trance environment where he was getting ready for this this ritual. Yeah, and he'd been fasting as well. So uh so that was part of it as well, you know, to to put yourself uh, through these um, uh, um, uh, situations where your body is is going to the extremes, and 
um, you know, this, this, these techniques are well known from all cultures across the planet um, that, you know, by, by, by subjecting your body to extreme situations, um, you, uh, you, you enter a, uh, a ritual space uh, it, where, um, you know, new things can happen and, and, you can, you know, gain more knowledge about yourself or new knowledge about yourself. You can gain new knowledge about the world and, and, and all that stuff. So uh, I don't think that there's a religious tradition out there that does not have rituals of that kind. Like you, you see it also mm -hmm. in, in Christianity, for instance, with monks who are fasting and, you know, back in the medieval period, they would, you know, whack each other with horse whips and you know, all the fun stuff. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, it's it's <laughs> that stuff has been relegated to BDSM sellers instead, I guess. <laughs> uh, that's exactly what I was about to say. Some people still do that. <laughs> um, okay, we were going to talk spirituality as well a little bit, and you know, you took me. I don't know really know where I stand spiritual wise. I don't really know where I stand um, religion wise. I think I class myself as an atheist which basically means I'm happy. I'm very comfortable in kind of just being like, mm, I don't know. I don't know what's out there. I'm very, I'm open to kind of experiences and to see what happens, but I'm kind of not in one camp here, there, and anywhere. I'm not, uh, did I say atheist? I'm an agnostic. Um, so that's, I think there's a difference between atheist and agnostic is one that says that they believe in nothing and agnostic is more kind of, I don't know what I believe in, um, and I'm not sure. Maybe there there is some higher power, but I'm not putting my my eggs in one basket. It's kind of maybe life as an experience as well. Unravel that, but right now I'm comfortable just being like, you know what? I I don't know. I'm I'm mm. not sure. So you you were kind enough to take me and a few other people that we you know we're all friends that we knew to do a ritual on on one of the mounds, which I think again is kind of very symbolic for for many reasons mm. yeah um you know it's funny that you you're explaining your beliefs or lack of or uh, whatever that realm is um uh because you know i don't care what i believe um i i feel that this whole this whole question of uh, do you believe in xyz and so on is is irrelevant it's much more important what you do and uh what you communicate with and how you communicate with it and if you communicate at all um mm -hmm. that's how i see it so it's like um it's, this the, the question of belief right is a very contemporary modern thing that has come out of a situation of um well uh christian civil war in europe right so mm -hmm. the, the the situation is we have um well well first of all you have um the the catholic church and in the form that it materializes in 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 uh late antiquity in rome 
starts expanding. And of course, there is the question of what do you believe in when it is expanding because it meets these different cultures that have various kinds of traditions that aren't Christian. And then it deconstructs them and replaces them. And mm-hmm. in that in that context, there is the question, do you believe in God or do you believe in these uh, things that we call demons hell, uh, over here? Um and so that's one thing. And then you have a new situation in Europe in the 1500s with the Reformation. And all of a sudden, it matters again what you believe in and especially how you believe in it. And this is where we also have the introduction of the modern era, as we would call it. Uh, the 1500s begin the early modern period. The early modern mm-hmm. period is a new period in European history because there are new realizations, uh, scientific realizations that, that you know, in from the 1500s and onwards, the Europeans are realizing more and more about the world because they start traveling around and interacting with new cultures and finding new plants and looking at new rocks and <laughs> tasting new ocean water or whatever they're doing. Um, and, and all of this starts accumulating more and more knowledge in different ways. And this, this process speeds up. And that's what we then from the 1700s call the enlightenment and, and all that stuff. That's not necessarily what it is, but that's what we like to call it. And, um, and so in this process, right, you have a situation where um we thought the world looked in, uh, in a certain way. We thought the world was composed of like three continents, Europe, Asia, Africa. And then all of a sudden we realized there are more continents out there and we realized there are more people out there. And we also realized that where we thought the garden, garden of Eden uh, was, uh, that's not where it is. Um, <laughs> that, that's what they expected in the medieval period. You travel far enough east, you're going to get to the garden of Eden. Right. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden we realize that that's not what's happening when you travel far enough to the east. And when you travel far enough to the west, uh, you eventually get to the east and so on and so forth. Um, so so again, for some that uh, that, that then comes down to maintaining uh, uh, the quote unquote old world order is like basically, and we know this with uh, especially in, in terms of astronomy, right, with. Uh, Copernicus and um, and other astronomers uh, um, and what they were saying about the shape of the world and and what the the, the, the sky and the heavens and and all of that stuff uh, are right. Um, so there's a discord between um, quote unquote science. I don't want to just you know say that it's science, but uh, science or what we think we believe about the world uh, or we, what we think we know about the world, uh, reality, and then beliefs that that have to do with religion, and this evolves further into you know philosophers saying God is dead, um, philosophers uh, saying religion is stupid, and and all that stuff, and then so what it eventually comes down to in modern times in our contemporary era is that um, there is like this perceived difference between Mm -hmm. believing in something and knowing what the world is. And Mm -hmm. I I think that is um, a a false uh, dichotomy. That's not how it works. Because there are plenty of, um, for lack of a better word, uh, spiritual people out there who would probably call themselves atheists 
or agnostic. Um, and then on the other hand, there are plenty of religious people out there uh, uh, whose religiosity is, is just about controlling other people. So, you know, it goes in many directions with, mm-hmm. with all of this stuff. And for me, what it comes down to is having it, the it thing. And uh, the, it factor. the it factor, exactly. And that's something that, you know, if you have it, you can see it in other people as well. And it doesn't matter whatever, you, you know, uh, denomination they uh, and tag or uh, nomenclature they throw on whatever their it is, you can see whether or not they have it. Boom. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> was I, I mean, I, I think when I was a kid, I was certainly like in my 16s, 17s, I was very pig-headed about things like this. And if someone said they believed in something, I would kind of Maybe roll my eyes, particularly when it came to like a religious thing. I'd roll my eyes and, and kind of think maybe I knew better because I was probably more atheist back then um, and kind of thought I knew everything. And then I, I guess as I grew older, I realized the belief is is such a personal thing. And if, I guess if, if somebody truly believes in something, like in their heart, they really believe that, the, that this thing is real, then you can't really question it. You can't ever really be like, no, it's not. Because to that person, if they believe it's real, then to them it's real. And it's it's a it, it's a thing. Like you can't take that away from somebody if they have that true belief within themselves or something. It's like it doesn't really matter if it's real to everybody else. If it is to them, then it's real. Um and I guess that's kind of like my softening as I've got older, maybe getting a little bit maybe a little bit wiser, I'm not sure, um, but certainly like softening as a human and kind of having that understanding of people around me rather than thinking, you know, there's a one size, one size shoe that fits everything when it's not. It, people are individuals and, and they have, they're very much capable of having their own things and their own beliefs that are just for them. And who the fuck am I to say it's not real? If, if it makes you happy and you believe in it, then who am I to be like, well, no, that's not, you can't do that. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Uh, in in many ways, um, the only people that uh, say that they believe something that uh, uh, that I am very skeptical about are the ones who tie their belief up in uh, stuff that they would classify as morals and ethics and uh, such things. You know, mm-hmm. uh, people that are going to tell you that you go to hell if you don't do this, that, and so on, or you have to live in a certain way. To be in 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 accordance with uh, whatever God they believe in, and that's not something that's just that, you know limited to uh, uh, the primary you know moral mor- morality based religions that we're familiar with, like Christianity and and Islam. You you get that in a lot of different traditions. You just go to India, you can see how that is very tied up in in, in Hinduism these days too. Yeah. It's um. You know, it's 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 not so much a function of a particular belief system as it's, it's a function of a certain social situation and societal yeah. situation. And that's, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a so that's I think it's a very different thing where you then take your beliefs and push them outwardly onto others. Um, as long as it's kind of between you and whatever you believe, then 
I think it's a, a personal thing. Exactly. And, and, and you know, in, in, this, in the other situation where you're, you know, uh, forcing your beliefs on others, uh, you know, that's no different than political situations where you're forcing your uh, political agenda on others, right? Mm-hmm. You know, many, many political ideas come with uh, so-called traditional values, which is just a bunch <laughs> of shit that people made up in the uh, early 20th century. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, let's <laughs> let's talk about my spiritual experience that we had. Yeah. So, so you took us onto the mount to do a ritual. I don't know if you want to outline maybe what that sure, is. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was asked um, by our our, uh, our mutual friend Alex uh, if uh, if if I could uh, lead a, a, a little ritual where uh, we would. Uh, give thanks to the place where we were at and the spirits and the ancestors there, uh, because obviously the Bora mounds are a very significant location uh, historically and uh, to many of us spiritually as well. Um, historically, it is a ancient Viking site where you have uh, these burial mounds that, uh, that were, um, you know, made uh, to honor uh, significant individuals of some kind. Not sure if you want to call them Kings or chieftains or, or whatever magnates of some kind, they were important people and they've been, been there in the ground for, um, for centuries uh, until archeologists showed up and uh, Mm -hmm. dug them out again. And I mean, there's no doubt that they were clearly very important people. Absolutely. Whoever they were. Yeah. And um, as as you can also see, um, uh, if you go to the mounds, um, a lot of them are like collapsed in the center. And and there's it's sort of like there's like a groove in in the side of uh, of them as well. And that's because the archaeologists who dug out the, the, the contents of of the mounds did not um <laughs> have much respect for them either um mm-hmm. so you know we uh many of us who go to Midgard and that's not just the, the ones who are present at the ritual that we did it's a lot of people who are there they feel that it's important to go and pay some respect to the mounds and to that place and that's uh that's what alex asked me to facilitate so we gathered the people who were interested in joining us and uh and then we went up to one of the mounds and we had a little ceremony where we uh um shared a a horn with um the drink of the all father which uh, people are like oh that's got to be me no actually and according to Krimnismal, he, he he drinks wine. <laughs> mm. um, I mean, it, it wasn't because we couldn't find meat at all. No, no, that was not because <laughs> not, not at all. And and the the awkward uh, ten minutes where we were you know, trying to push the cork into the bottle with a knife was not because we yeah. we couldn't find a, a corkscrew either. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no. no. <laughs> But um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, the good Rune uh, Janu Rasmussen, whom some of you hopefully know uh, as the guy behind Nordic Animism, he was the one who supplied um, both the uh, the wine that we shared and also some sacrificial beer 
Um, and uh, then we got it going. We gave some gifts to the spirits of the place and of the land. And we spoke uh, our, our true words and best intentions to um, uh, to 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 the the spirits around us, and um, mm -hmm. we set some intention for uh, for uh, you know connecting this ancient sacred site in uh, in Norway with uh, with us those of us who were there, and then also uh, you know uh the rest of the world so mm -hmm. yes yeah it was it was definitely a, a different experience to me it was the first ritual i'd been part of and it was it was nice seeing everybody in this very safe environment where you could say whatever you wanted you know we it took turns going around the circle and each person could just say something whether it, whether it was just a simple saying thank you to to the ancestors or something something deeper um, and it was a very kind of special moment of having that openness where you knew there was no judgment. You knew that everybody there was friends and in the same position and you could just be honest and free. And I have to be honest, uh, honest with myself the, the whole way around. I was terrified. I was, you know, I was nervous of what I was going to say. I mean, it, it, we spoke about it at the beginning of the show, obviously I've had a lot going on. I'm in a very kind of emotional state at the minute. Um, I kind of am in this position where I get the opportunity to kind of just say something. Um, and obviously we, we were around, we were around a lot of people I cared about there, but Alyssa was there. She, she, she said something very beautiful before it was my turn. And then kind of playing from the, from the festival itself, we had the, the beautiful voice of uh, Katrine, of Calandro playing on one of the stages that kind of came over as well. And it was my turn. And, you know, I think I asked for forgiveness, um, kind of forgiveness, healing for, for everybody that's been involved in, in kind of the situation, the people that have looked after me and thanks for that. And it was, it was an emotion, it, it, it was emotional in the time. I knew I had to kind of hold back tears and maybe my voice broke a few times um but once it had passed i certainly felt kind of like a lifting of of everything and felt like i certainly feel like i left something up on that mound um part of kind of everything that that i've been through these last few months a little bit of that and a little bit of kind of like just the guilt and everything that's been holding over me was kind of just left there. And, and I'm not going to say that it completely fixed everything. And now I'm, I'm not upset about things or I'm not feeling guilt. I'm not kind of emotional, which of course I am, but there was certainly like this thing that was just left there. Um, and everything just got a little bit lighter. I have to say thanks to, to you first of all, for doing the, the ritual and thank you for everybody that was there. I don't know if it's because it was, I don't know if it was a spiritual thing. and I don't know if it was because of where we were. I don't know if it was just kind of this speaking in front of people. It could just be a psychosomatic thing of kind of this opportunity to talk in front of some strangers, some friends, and kind of get these things out. And, and, and how often do we speak openly and ask for forgiveness of things or ask for healing or just ask for anything? We, mm. we don't really, really do that, I guess. Um, and that's, so, yeah. that, that's the power of ritual. Right. The power of ritual is that in in the moment of going through uh, whichever ritual it is, uh, you get to know yourself on a new level. And, mm -hmm. you know, those are uh, uh, that that's really, 
you know, one of the things that I, I think a lot of modern human beings are missing because they don't do ritual. They um, and and if they do do rituals, it's it's usually the, the type of ritual where you you go to a building and then you sit down and then you listen to somebody rant at you uh, about some scripture for a bit and then you go home again. And uh, mm-hmm. that's that's not really ritual. That's school. <laughs> like just just religious mm-hmm. school. That's it. I was I was <laughs> I, I was. I was so surprised at how simplistic this was. Because when you said you, even though we've done this podcast for so long, and when you said we're, we're going to go up and do a ritual, I'm like, this motherfucker is going to be sacrificing some animal up there. There's going to be blood flying around. There's going to be. A- <laughs> I was like, what the fuck am I getting myself into? I was a little bit apprehensive. And then when we got there, she's like a bunch of friends hanging out. You said some some words at the beginning, and then it's literally just this cleansing as you go around and just kind of just get things off your chest. I'm like. This isn't scary. Anybody can do this. <laughs> like anybody can sit with a group of friends and just kind of get these things out. And I guess it's what people class as ritual. And unfortunately, I think ritual has probably got a a bad a bad kind of like a bad attachment in recent maybe like recent times, but kind of the certain like the satanic panic and all that kind of bullshit in in the eighties, was it? Um, yeah, yeah. And no, it, it probably holds some attachments still from then. Yeah, there's that uh, there's that popular uh, uh, use of the word, just like the, the the word sect or cult and so on. Like if if you say cult, uh, then people are like, oh, mm-hmm. that's got to be like people in black robes in a basement somewhere. And you know, the, the word cult simply just oh, that's what I was expecting. I thought you were gonna tell you, I thought you were turning up in a hood, and I was gonna be like, oh, but. but so it's like you know in 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 the terminology of of uh, you know uh, uh signs of religion right you know ritual just means acts in, in which a, a one or more people uh they um they they do something to communicate with uh, uh gods or spirits or 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 whatever you want to call them you know if you want to get really technical uh, uh with religious scholars you can call them uh, uh, what is it? Um, non-empirical t- uh, entities, mm. <laughs> or something like that. Like, um, but 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 ritual is simply just a communicative mode for for human beings that where the communication is not necessarily between two individuals, but between you know perceived uh, non-human entities of some kind, right? And um, in the same way, the word cult in, in, in the science of religion simply just means a, a, a some kind of ritual practice, some some religious practice. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I know that you uh, you were expecting some weird shit with like black robes and animal sacrifices and, uh, and bonfires and I don't know what. But um, uh, so th- I thought many- maybe I was getting sacrificed. <laughs> well, we were, you know, thinking about it, but then we were like, "Nah, nah you need him for the podcast." Um, <laughs> no, so uh, uh, you know, the stuff that I do uh, take many different kinds of form, and um, I, I am not going to uh, speak publicly and re- reveal uh, much about uh, what goes on in uh, in in private settings uh, with me. Um, but you know these types of rituals are uh, 
are outward projecting, right? We're, we're, what my friend Alex asked me to do was to gather the people that were significant uh, for, for being there. And mm-hmm. um, that was a lot of people that I haven't interacted with in these uh, under these circumstances before. And there were some whom I've interacted with under these circumstances before too. Um, and it was a lot of people who most of each other, most of them didn't know each other, uh, didn't know each other that well. Uh, I had no idea how many of the so-called quote unquote believers were there. Were, did we have skeptics? And no, we had one at least, Bob. Um, <laughs> and, and so on and so forth. And so, so, my purpose as the person who leads the ritual is to make sure that everybody can come together and feel comfortable and express themselves in the way that they uh, feel uh, is most meaningful to them. And mm-hmm. um, the the consensus that I set, I, I, I created to begin with, uh, if you remember, I, I, I asked everybody to, you know, sit down and feel the earth. Asked everybody mm-hmm. to stand up and 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 feel feel the air and and the breeze, and I remember seeing Teacher Mateus come out when Alex was talking. That's what I remember. <laughs> yeah, of course. I saw a glimpse of what you must be like in the lecture room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have no idea. <laughs> no, no. So, <laughs> you also you also need to rein people in a little bit and make sure that they they start. Um, and it, it 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 has nothing to do with like, oh, now you must fall in line and and be serious about this. This is everything to do with um, if they're going to have an experience of what it means to do ritual, they also need to start tuning in, right? Mm-hmm. And because it's easy, it it's especially when you're there, and I guess if it's your first time as well, if you're there with a friend or someone you really care about. You kind of want to, you have this natural thing of wanting to talk and share it, but then you're also taking yourself out and rubbing yourself in your own experience because you're pulling yourself out of kind of your own mindset to, to talk. Um, so you do need that that Mateus figure to be like, shut the fuck up and <laughs> just just listen. You need You need to start with that. That doesn't mean that you can't start mm-hmm. blabbering later on. Um, you know, and there was one person, uh, in that circle who was like, y'all are so quiet. And that's, I know exactly why they said that they were, they're used to, you know, these kinds of rituals being a lot more rowdy, um, a lot more communicative, um, you know, also a lot drunker. Um, there, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are many, many ways that these, uh, rituals can, can play out. Uh, but but the main purpose is to create a communal setting for all the humans involved and all the spirits involved, and so that everybody can can come together and and communicate with each other in the the language that is most appropriate uh, to the people there. Mm-hmm. And so that can also take the form of you know people speaking uh, in in their own language. I I don't remember if I I. I think I kept it in English all the way through, but quite often As you I, did. Yeah. But quite often I, in th- those kinds of rituals, I can go through uh, a Danish and old Norse and, and English and, and so on, because th- that really depends on uh, how and why I'm trying to express something. 
So, mm-hmm. um, and, and I know that that's the case for others as well. And this is, of course, you know, that has something to do with how we have been brought up and uh, how we've learned uh, to speak um, to these outside entities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, the, but, but, but the main purpose is that everybody uh, is there uh, to feel uh, some connectedness of whatever kind it is for them. Mm-hmm. And to feel comfortable in that connectedness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I felt both. It was like I said, it was it was especially. I think I think the festival as a whole um, had a very healing healing way on me because um, you just got to meet tons of people that I felt like I already knew through the podcast, and whether that was guests we'd had on or people that listen. You know, you just got to meet all these new people, meet, meet new friends and hang out. And it was all very much was a healing thing. That that, that festival, I, like I say, it's the first time I've been, but it has such an endearing quality to it of just overall community that everybody just just seems to be there for the same reason and gets on. There's no trouble. There's, there's nothing. It's just a really nice place to be. And, and I would recommend it for anybody to go and experience because it is an experience. It's not just, you're not just going to a festival to watch music. The whole festival itself is just an experience. Exactly. And let's keep in mind that, you know, Midgatsplot also, you know, commences with a a ritual, a, a their their interpretation of what a sacrificial ritual to the Nordic gods might mm-hmm. have looked like in, in the Viking Age. And they do that really well. And you know, we sat there commenting on it. And- we did. <laughs> Yeah, we like sports commentators on 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 the yeah. <laughs> recording the whole thing. I I hope that actually turned out well because that I think it would be kind of fun to, to watch. It was it was it was a lot of fun. Um, um, but but see, this is this is an important little little detail too because that makes Midgard Midgard's blood something different from other festivals mm-hmm. because you have an a, a ritual that begins the whole thing. And this is also a ritual that uh, you can choose to participate in or choose not to. And if you choose to participate in it, then it is actually, um, you know, quite uh, graphic in the sense that you're like smearing sacrificial, semi-fake blood all over yourselves and statues and I don't know what. Hey, 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 that's fucking real blood. I'll hear that's, nothing yeah, that's about fucking it. real blood. It's, it's totally real. Done. Um, and, oh, dude, we want to get back next year. <laughs> hey, nobody told us we couldn't, couldn't guess whether or not it's, it's, <laughs> it's real or not real blood. I mean, I'm guessing. Uh, I haven't tasted it. Um, but obviously, if you know anything about, you know, blood, um, used for sacrifice, then uh, no, I'm not going to go into details about it. But anyway, um, the point is that um, the, the the festival begins with this, and this sets a tone for a lot of the people who are there. And I know for a fact that a lot of people there they have a spiritual connection to being there, right? So it's more than just a festival; it is some kind of religious uh, ritual, right? to be there in the first place. And um, that kind of, in many ways, mirrors exactly what some of these large festivals uh, 
were, you know, back in the pagan days where people would come from all over a region, uh, let's say from all over the, the Swedish area, and then they would go to the temple at Uppsala, and there would be all these rituals there. But mm-hmm. there would also be a bunch of other things going on outside of the temple and, you know, in the general area around it and so on. And people uh, would be connecting to uh, the 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 gods and spirits they they believe in 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 their own ways as well as taking part in in the, mm-hmm. the official rituals that's exactly what this is right so you know that uh, that makes it a very significant event for for many people and also mm-hmm. keep in mind we're talking about people who come from all over the world people who that's, come from us that yeah. fucking surprised me like cuz cuz this is a festival in Norway and I, I just assumed that like the ratio would be maybe like seventy percent Norwegian and thirty percent like other like people who've come, in. and they did not feel like that at all. It seemed like maybe like the Norwegians were much the the um the minority, blank. <laughs> a minority, yes, yeah. like yeah. And it was just so many people were from South America, from fucking Australia, from England, from America, like all over, India, and in such yeah. high quantities. Yeah, you know, yeah, and that that's that's really important to you know, to also consider because what does that mean then? If you look at it from the lens of of you know the science of religion, then it's a pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. You know, the, then then this the, the the whole journey there is a religious component to it as well. You could go back home and you can say, "I went there. I was I was part of that ritual. I I had these experiences." And you know, if if you are the kind of person who's like, "I believe in the Nordic gods" or something like that, then you can say, "I connected with the Nordic gods mm-hmm. in Norway at this ritual." Right, and that's the Which place is, you're going to do it. Yeah. And you know, there's there's a lot of people that 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 would be a very significant experience for them to do. So so yeah, in that sense, this is a lot more than a than a than a just a music festival, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't it doesn't matter if if the the people who created the festival believe in the Nordic gods themselves or you know do rituals or whatever. It, what matters is is the significance that that event has to the audience that, that go there mm-hmm. it does absolutely let's let's wrap this one up because i have a date with bob and we are gonna go get some beer ah well now i'm sad <laughs> <laughs> yeah no me and me and bob are gonna go get a drink um i, I also want to just say thank you to everybody that was there who listens to the podcast and whether it was that you said to Vicky, one of the organizers that you were, you were literally there because you heard of Midgast plot on our podcast, which is insane to me to think we have that influence on people and we bring new things to people's lives or that you took the time to come up to me or Mateus and say, you know, the, how much you appreciate the podcast, how much we, I guess some people, you know, it's very much like we have an influence on their lives. Like it, they listen to us every day when they're at work or, or kind of, you know, or we've helped them through tough times, which was which one gentleman said to me, and which is very surreal for me to hear. And and whilst in that moment, I I, I have to admit, I do feel very uncomfortable because it's a new feeling for me to kind of have somebody kind of 
pick me out and be like, are you, are you done from the podcast? And I do kind of maybe the introvert in me takes over. And I'm just a little bit like, oh, this is weird. But I am very much thankful for it. I'm very grateful that you, that you take the time to listen to us and come and show your appreciation just by saying thank you. You know, it means a fucking great deal. Um, yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe how much it means to, to have somebody kind of come and say thank you for sitting and talking on this, this podcast for an hour and a half every week. It's, it's an odd feeling. I, I, yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, I also want to say thank you to everybody who came up and say hi, said hi. Um, and I also, uh, want to thank, uh, uh, all of those, uh, who might have decided not to do it because they were, uh, I don't know, shy or, or, or something like that. You guys also matter. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm sure that there are people there who listen to the podcast who didn't get to, you know, uh, come up and, and, and say hello to me or you or both of us. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and yeah, in the same way, I want to say uh, thank you to all of those people that, uh, I, because I was so damn busy <laughs> that I just got to say, mm -hmm. Hey, and then like ran off because I needed to help you find a chair at the guild hall or <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely or something out with food tickets or i don't know what man we <laughs> we were yeah we were we were very busy um yeah i think i had a the saw bob yesterday and his girlfriend and and they said that during for, for nabala i was sat talking with with them And there was a couple next to them in Norwegian who, for, for some reason, had kind of clocked my voice because, you know, I have a very obvious voice. Um, and they were talking Norwegian between themselves saying, oh, I think that's the, the guy from the podcast. We should go and say hi, but he looked really busy. And like that kind of thing is so surreal to me. But next time, just interrupt me and come and say hi. Um, I won't be mad. It doesn't matter who I'm talking to. I will always appreciate it. Um, it means it means the world yeah absolutely all right so yeah if you enjoy the enjoy the show please leave us a five star rain positive review wherever you get your podcasts um and now we've met in person we've had a, a long discussion and we're going to start doing a lot more we've got some big things in the works we've got some educational things that you're going to start putting out on patreon exclusive so if you can please jump over to patreon it's literally patreon forward slash nordic mythology podcast and get on early we're going to start really pushing that and and you're going to start like say creating some content literally just for patreon it's going to be we've got big plans it's safe to say we're, we're taking this to the next level yeah we totally are and um and yeah we don't hate each other after having met <laughs> that's yeah that, that is when we don't we actually like each other which is nice <laughs> that is nice so, yeah. <laughs> yeah please please check out the youtube page we're going to be putting a bunch of interviews on there um and whilst you can also get the audio it's always fun to see us and you see the interaction and the guests that we're sat down with so take a minute to pop over onto there again youtube Type in Nordic Mythology Podcast, you're going to find it. Hit subscribe, hit the little bell thing that alerts you every time we put a new video out. Um, we really appreciate it. And yeah, it's, gotta be, it's a good, fun one back. And next time we'll have a guest with us, I'm sure, and we'll deep dive into a new topic. Yes, we will. Mm -hmm.